right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Well, good afternoon. I know you're... uh going, what is with that new open? Uh, I thought Adam Dravetta was part of this show. I am. I'm actually here by myself today. Uh, Derek is out. Um, we may, uh, you know, we may get to hear from him here uh, momentarily, but uh, yeah, for now, uh, it's just me. Um, the uh, new open is uh, currently under construction, so you just heard the old one that featured um, that featured uh Derek by himself, but don't worry, I'm still here, and as I said, I'm actually here by myself today. Derek is at, uh, I believe he's at a dentist appointment. He's getting himself a root canal, but we didn't want to, uh, we didn't want him to miss the show. He's a terrific host, and so a lot of people don't know this. I actually might get in trouble for this, but I've actually installed a a a dentist chair mic. Onto his dentist chair. So Derek, currently mid root canal, we can see what he see what he thinks. Uh, Derek, how's the root canal going, bud? <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful, man. I hope you get better. Um, well, we're gonna move right along from that. I hope. Uh, ooh, that sounded bad. We're going to move along now and talk about uh, last night's game. What else? We got uh, t- t- last night's game to talk about, tomorrow's game to talk about. We're going to talk to Brian Haney. We're going to hear from all six KU seniors. We're going to hear from Bill Self. Plenty to talk about today. I'm glad that if I have to roll solo, it's on a day like today where there's uh, a game Tuesday night to talk about. There's a game last night to talk about. There's a game tomorrow to talk about. We're going to start off with t- last night's game. Um I think we learned a lot about TCU. Um, again, I you know I, I I think you know I I loved Juan Harris scoring eleven points. He he had a, a really good at least half a basketball last night. Um, I think Kansas. There's a new element to Dwan Harris when when he's able to score because I think rightly so. Most people think of Remy Martin as the primary. If you're going to have a lead guard. Who can score? Now, the primary score is, of course, going to continue to be Ochai Abaji. But if you're going to have, um, you know, a lead guard capable of scoring, it's going to have to be a guy like Dewan Harris or uh, Remy Martin. And I think a lot of people expected it to Remy to be Remy Martin. He was named Big Twelve preseason Player of the Year. It seems like. Uh, KU has a Big 12 Player of the Year candidate. It's just not a lead guard. It's Ochai Abaji, who once again scored in the 20s last night. He got 22 out of them. Uh, didn't show up much elsewhere in the uh, in this on the stat line. Shot f- two for nine from three, so you hope to get better out of that. Only one rebound, only one assist. So for the purpose of Rock Chalk Pickahawk, he actually 
didn't do great, but 22 points, he's scoring, you know, if you can get a guy who's, who's consistently scoring, virtually, not just consistently, virtually always scoring in the 20s, you can't not be happy with that. And so we'll take the 22 points from Ochai Abaji, Um But, man, 39 minutes, you really have to wonder if this is all catching up with him. Um, he is, you know, he's in terrific shape. Um, he's a, he's a freak athlete, but I don't know. He, he just, he's run so much over the course of the last week and there's more tomorrow. So if he keeps scoring where he is and you just kind of got to say to the rest of the team, Hey, it's on you guys to pick up the slack where it comes to, to rebounds. I think they just have to answer the call. Um, Christian Brown, for example, had six boards. The scoring is still not where you'd love it to be. Um, he had to sit real, you know, for for a brief moment last night. Then he canned a big three. Um, but you know, I, I just we need to see. I think you know you'd love to see more scoring out of out of Christian Brown. Um, but then Dwan Harris puts up eleven after not scoring over the course of the last uh, two or three games, and you get. 11 out of Dewan Harris. I think you got as much as you could ask for out of him from a scoring standpoint. And if if he can do that, and he shot one for one from three, he's not, you know, doesn't take anybody watching the game too closely to know that Dewan Harris is not an exceptional three-point shooter. Um, but there's value anytime he scores, however he gets it. And, and there was a moment where he got blocked against Baylor um, and he needed to score elsewhere. This was just one example. But uh, late in the game against Baylor, or uh, at one point, it actually might have been late in the first half, now that I think about it. But he had a drive, um, and it got swatted. And it got swatted because I believe it was David McCormick who didn't properly seal off his man. And, and David McCormick has been good in a lot of areas at doing that uh, specifically. But that one moment, he happened to miss uh, a, a seal. And, and credit to the other guy, he, you know, got around him. Um, I was able to swat Dewan, Dewan's, uh, shot attempt away and that obviously got things going, got things rolling. And, you know, we all know how that Baylor game wound up. Um, but last night, you know, he puts up 11 points, but the game itself, I, it, it looked different from a box score standpoint because you held, you held them to what? Nine. Eight, eight offensive rebounds. Kansas actually had more offensive rebounds last night than TCU, and that's difficult to do because TCU, one of their calling cards is offensive rebounding. So that is, that's huge that you're able to do that. Um, but I don't know. Out of the gate, once again, you start with a huge lead, and and then they chisel back. And I, I, when I said at the beginning of the show, what I learned more than anything is I think how impressed I am from TCU. I think they they proved once again that if you get an athletic team against this Kansas team, they're going to give them fits, and that is something I didn't expect we'd be saying on on March the fourth. Um, that's that's disappointing. I guess I, well, disappointing may not be the right word. It's just when when so much of the recruiting was based on getting more athletic. And I think by themselves, some players got more athletic as return players. I think Christian Brown's more athletic than he was last year. I think Ochai Baji is clearly more athletic than he was last year. But then you bring in Remy Martin, you bring in Joe Yesifu, and um, Cam Martin, of course, is redshirting. But you bring in these guys to fix your athleticism, 
after what happened against UCLA, now or UCLA, USC, um, and USC is an extreme example because they had a, a lottery pick who's tearing up the NBA this year. Um, at least last I checked, he was. He may actually be dealing with injury right now in Mobley, but they were an extreme example. And but you got throttled in the second round last year, and I think this year once again with the lack of a definitive lead guard who can score. What you're seeing is a team that when they can match you or excel past you athletically, they're going to give you fits. Um, And that all sounds very pessimistic, but considering Kansas came away with the win, look, I don't think it's a bad thing to go one and one against TCU, this TCU team. We all remember 2013. It was TCU's first year in the Big 12. They were historically bad, and they pulled pulled an upset of Kansas uh, down in Fort Worth. That was a weird night. A lot of things happened. And and Kansas lost that game against a far inferior team. This version of TCU, since Jamie Dixon has been there, is not a far uh, inferior team. They're a worse team. They're probably going to wind up somewhere from a seven seed at best to a nine seed. I think most likely they're going to wind up in that eight or nine game. But they're a, they're consistent NCAA, or they're a definitive NCAA tournament team this year. Um, they've got a really good coach in, in Jamie Dixon. And so it, it isn't losing in Fort Worth the way they, that Kansas did or just losing in Fort Worth in and of itself is not a disaster um, because TCU is a good team and, and it's hard to win on the road against a good team. It just is. And so a split with TCU isn't, isn't anything to be ashamed of uh, this year. Um, but I think the way you lost to TCU was on Tuesday was just, I don't know. It was annoying. It was 74, 64. I, you know, you weren't, you weren't really ever in it in the second half. You you were tied at halftime. Um, and I, I just, or maybe even had the lead at halftime. I tied last night, but, um, that was, that was a tough game on Tuesday. And so I I think you kind of have to be happy even though the line last night was 12 points, Ken Palm had it at 11, Vegas had it at 12 or 12 and a half, depending on which book you're looking at. Um, I think you got to be happy uh, last night. You know, you you want more out of David McCormick. We kind of got to talk more about David McCormick because um, where's the foot at and how many times, it, 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 I hate to bring this up, but it, at what point, I mean, how many how many times are you going to have an issue with a big man toward the end of the season? And is there something that Kansas uh, and Bill Self can do to avoid things like that in the future? It, maybe not. It's very possible that, no, there's nothing you can do. And these are just, it's been a run of bad luck. It was bad luck with o- Joel Embiid in 2014. Yudoka Azubuki, I'm talking about 2018 because his injuries on either side of that, the wrist injuries happened before conference play. So that's a little different situation. But Yudoka was was dealing with with an injury late in the 2018 season. He of course came back by the Sweet 16, actually the second round. Now that I think about it, against Seton Hall, and helped guide that team to a Final Four appearance. So, you know that that turned out terrific. Um, but this is now three times you within you know the last eight years that you've had a, a, an issue with the big man struggling with with something of an injury down the stretch. Is there something that can be changed? Is it just bad luck? I don't know that. I know that David McCormick had surgery in the offseason, and, and it's been bothering him. 
And last night you got nine points and 11 rebounds out of him. Or nine points, that was, uh, I'm sorry, that was Jalen Wilson's line. Last night on David McCormick, you got um, 10 points and four rebounds. Um, So what do you do with that? I mean, I, I think, again, it's good news that you your your lower your lower floor you know your floor of David McCormick sim, seems to still be that 10 point three to five rebound range um but I think really if you if you want to hang a banner this year and, and and add to that final four list um I think you need more than that and if you don't need you know if you're not going to get it from him if you're just going to con- get a consistent 10 and four 10 and five 11 and six out of David McCormick, then you're going to need more from Christian Brown, who had 12 points last night. He could stand to score a little more. Um, so it's all, you know, it, it, a lot of it comes back to how are you grading this team? Are you grading them as a, we want a Final Four, and I think it's fair to, to grade them that way. They're they're a top 10 team. Now, look, that doesn't mean, look, if they get bounced in the Sweet 16, it's not a disaster. Um, you can still have a good season and come up short of your overall goals. And I, but I, this has been a consistent top 10 team. So I do want to be clear that any problem this team has, as has been the case with every year that Bill Self has been here, still, and this this streak will continue, They have Kansas has never been lower than a four seed in the NCAA tournament since Bill Self has been here. So every problem you've had with Bill Self as your head coach has been an uptown problem. And that's good. Um, but... We talk uptown problems because those are the type of problems that Kansas men's basketball has, and that's the curve you're grading on with them, and that's the curve they want to be graded on. They want those expectations. We're going to hear from the seniors later, and they've talked about uh, what it's like to, to deal with those expectations, and, and some of them have flat said, no, you want a game like tomorrow. You want a game like Texas where everything's on the line. You have to beat a really good team in order to clinch a conference championship. And so they they – they, they play at that level. They achieve at that level. level. They have earned um, us talking about things that might be nitpicking at a lot of other programs. And so I know I seem oddly pessimistic considering that Kansas just came off a win and they're 24-6 and six and they can win at least a share of the Big 12 title tomorrow afternoon. By the way, at home, um, you know, I think everything's still in front of this team. Um, but if we're grading them on the curve of what can this team do to make a Final Four, because it is realistic. They can make a Final Four. Uh, no one's going to be shocked if they wake up in, in a few weeks and Kansas has won an Elite Eight game and they're going to New Orleans for the Final Four. No one would be shocked by that. But if if you want to think in those terms, we have to start talking about what what's it going to take. And I think compared to last night, I think you did really well uh, limiting TCU on the offensive boards because, again, they had 30 misses and eight offensive rebounds. Uh, Actually, if you count free throws, knock that up to another miss. So they had 31 misses and eight offensive rebounds. That's great against a team whose their calling card is offensive rebound. So there's a lot of good things to take away from last night. Um, But I do think it's still worth talking. Where is David McCormick scoring gone is it possible to still get a night of 18 and 12 out of him? Uh, 18 and 8, you know, 19 and 10. Is that game still on the horizon for David McCormick? We saw it earlier in the season. He shot two for seven last night. 
So he's taking the shots. He's got the volume of shots that you would think he can put up 15, 16, 17, 18 points. Um, but it hasn't happened for a few games. Jalen Wilson got 10 rebounds and nine points. And again, it's a great sign that his floor is at a point where he's still scoring upwards of eight, nine, 10 points on his bad nights. And, and he's still getting double digit rebounds, but you need more points. You have to find a way to score. Um, especially if you run into a team that has a guy who can hold Ochai to 11 points. If you run into a team in the NCAA tournament that just athletically or because they play such sound defense, they can put one guy on Ochai Abaji, and because that guy is so good defensively, Ochai is only going to score 11 points, 12 points, and you say, all right, four on four for the rest of us. Go at it. Where are those points going to come from? And, and I think um, a lot of them are going to have to come from Christian Brown, who scored you know 12 last night but has shown an ability to get into the 20s. He, he actually saw a, a mock draft from Bleacher Report have him as a first-round pick this year. So you can get more from him. Dewan Harris, I think from a scoring standpoint, you got as much as you, you could ask for. I think if you, I would take 11. If you want to tell me Dewan Harris is going to average 11, 11 points for the re- a game for the rest of the season, give me that to me, give that to me immediately. Um, so you got scoring from, from Dewan, what you wanted last night. David McCormick, again, he got 10. You would like more from there. Um, but you know, you don't know if you're going to get it because what's the foot like, uh, and then Jalen Wilson had nine, you'd like more there. So that to me is, is going to be the biggest question is, you know, they, they answered last night. Can you keep a team from their calling card, which in the case of TCU's offensive rebounding? Yes, they did that last night. Um, what can you do to score? Because this team, I think, has been clear and evident all year. If this team's going to win, it's their offense that's going to carry them. They still have a top-five offense, and they have a defense that hovers somewhere between 28 and 40th nationally. You can go to a Final Four like that. You can go to a Final Four with a team like that. You can outscore your way to a Final Four. Um, but you're going to need more points from more guys than you got last night, and not by much though. I need. What do you need? You need six more out of Christian Brown, uh, maybe five more out of David McCormick. You do that. You, you, Christian Brown last night scores eighteen, and David McCormick scores fifteen. Then last night you're looking at a uh, eighty-three to sixty-eight win over TCU instead of seventy-two to sixty-eight. So it's they're they're so they're, you you've seen moments this year where you like yeah this is a Final Four team. Moments where you think, wow, this is a national title contender. Um, but you've also seen them lapsing what they need to get there, which is points from guys not named Ochai Um, Dwan Harris stepped up in that role last night. Christian Brown, David McCormick, Jalen Wilson have, have all shown in spurts an ability to do that. That's what you're going to need. Uh, we're going to talk more about the Texas game a little later in the program. We've also got Brian Haney coming up. We're going to hear from all six seniors. We're going to hear from Bill Self. All sorts of great things coming on in this Friday edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back on FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. FM 
Adam Dravetta with you here in the KLWN studios. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Derek is out today, so I am flying solo. Um, I hope you enjoyed the first segment. I, uh, I, you know, I have only, this is only my third, my third solo show. But again, uh, we do have a secret dentist camp. Derek, getting a root canal today, but I installed a secret dentist microphone in his chair. We can see how things are going. So we heard from him in the first segment. Derek, we're about to do the poll of the day. Tell me, how's the root canal going, bud? Wow, so about the same as it was going in the first segment. That uh, that sounds awful. I wonder how much how long that bit's going to be funny. Can I get an entire show out of that? I doubt it. That might be the last time you hear from Derek today. Um, so we're going to move on now to the poll of the day. Uh, it's a very simple one, um, and I'll put it up on uh, the Twitter account at RCST1320 here very soon. Very simple. What do you want? Sweet, if I give you a sweet 16 right now, but you lose in the sweet 16, I give you that right now, or you roll the dice, what are you doing? I saw a lot of upset Kansas fans on Twitter Tuesday night. They were still kind of there last night. Um, a lot of, you know, and look, it, it's it's no fun to lose two in a row. So I, I'm not, you know, fans get how they are, and, and I'm certainly guilty a lot. You know, we, before the end of the year, we did our, our fan New Year's resolutions, and I've broken plenty of those. I, I, I get caught up as a fan. Um, but I, I just, I saw on Twitter a lot of, ah, this team is after the, after the loss in Fort Worth, uh, Tuesday night, man, this, this team, they're not even getting out of the first weekend. Forget it. They're, they're done. They're, they're not getting out of the first weekend. Um, and I, I, I was kind of, su- I don't know if surprise is the right word. Cause you've all, you know, we've seen f- fans behave how they behave and, and it happens and it's okay to have high expectations. Um, my my basically only rule is is don't harass players on Twitter. Uh, really, any pro players, college players, y- you know, I, I, if you are, I'll stop short of calling you an idiot if you're like a teenager and you're and you're getting after players on Twitter, um, because teenagers by their nature, you know, kind of do some um, some uh, things that need uh, just can be explained away by the fact that they're teenagers, I guess. Um, but if you're an adult and, and you're the type that goes after players on, on Twitter because you don't think they're playing well, stop. Um, so, but if you're voicing your opinion, if you're just, you know, if you're not tagging anybody and you're just saying, man, this team's really frustrating. I don't think they're getting out of the first weekend. That's fine. I'm not sure I agree with it. I think we've seen all year that this team is, it's a ceiling that can beat anybody on a given night. Um, I think Gonzaga's a game. I think Kentucky's a game. I think probably Arizona's A game beats Kansas, no matter what kind of even you know Kansas's A game versus Gonzaga's A game. I think Gonzaga wins that one, but I do think if Kansas is on and another and and you know if I think if Kansas is on, their A game can beat I don't know all but four or five teams A game in this in the entire country. Um, so you've seen a ceiling that you can raise a banner, and you've also seen a floor that you can. Get disappointed in a round of 32 game uh, matchup, you know, is going to matter a lot. I think we've seen super athletic teams bother this team. Um, but I've also seen a team that can get hot and make 15 threes in one night. I've seen, you know, and so 
things happen. I, I remember 2018 team, you know, a lot of fans were down and things were frustrating. And that was the year where I kind of came up with my, with my Twitter rule about don't bother players. Cause we, you saw, okay, now look, this is a couple fans. This is not everybody, but you did have a couple fans say to Devonte Graham on Instagram or Twitter, you don't deserve to wear the Kansas Jersey, which is silly and ridiculous. And what happened with that team? They went to a final four. Um, so every, you know, Unless you have a team that's that's hauling off and going like thirty one and three, um, like has happened over the course of, a, of you know of, of time here, most of your years are going to be like this, where they play anywhere from one of the best five teams in the nation down to a team that is maybe more ranked fifteenth through twentieth if if they played like that consistently, but they're whole body of work puts them at one of the eight or so best teams in the country for that. I will say, no, I'm not going to take a sweet 16 and take that to the bank. I am going to roll the dice, see what happens. Um, but that is my question to you. That is our daily poll. I give you right now, you're guaranteed a loss in the sweet 16 or roll the dice. What do you do? Um, and I'm asking that because after TCU Tuesday night, I saw some fans kind of just thinking, boy, I, this team isn't going to get out of the first weekend. Again, I disagree with that. I think you've seen a team that's very capable of playing and, and being in the third weekend of the tournament. And I think you've seen the team that can, you know, trip up and, and struggle in the tournament. And I think that's how the tournament goes. Um, it's matchup dependent. But again, I would take my chances there because I think this team can can scare a Final Four. I think this team can make a Final Four. Um you know, is it likely? No, I think you always pick the field over any one given team. But I, I like their chances as much as I've liked their chances since, you know, 2020 there wasn't a tournament. I love their chances to go to a Final Four that year. 2019, I really didn't like their chances. I didn't think they had enough scoring options, and that was just there's some turmoil with that team. Um, 2018, I, I like, you know, it's similar to that. I kind of like their chances in 2018 to, you know, they'll have to, play at their ceiling once they get to the Elite Eight, which they did against Duke. They won in overtime. They went to the Final Four. Um, and I see that kind of similarly to this team. I see a team that at their ceiling is a Final Four caliber basketball team. Um, and we'll see. You know, we've got uh, a week from Sunday, a selection Sunday. All the excitement starts. So check out our poll at RCST1320 on uh, Twitter. And I'll get that poll up here in a second. So basic question, you take a Sweet 16 to the bank, a loss in the Sweet 16 to the bank, or do you roll the dice? Go check out that poll on Twitter at RCST1320. We're going to hear from Brian Haney next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017-1320-KLWN. Depend on Talking on a Friday to Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. You can hear his call tomorrow. Uh That'll tip off at 3 p.m., pregame beginning at 1.30. That'll all be over on our sister station, 105.9 KISS FM. Brian, uh, we heard from the seniors a little bit ago, and tomorrow we're going to hear from them for real from their speeches. Uh, are you feeling it? Do you, do you still get kind of kind of teary-eyed every time this, this comes around each year? You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, I, I don't get teary-eyed every year. But with special cases, with special kids, and I, I shouldn't call them kids because by the time they leave, they're, they're men. But uh, guys that have been around for three or four years and really left a mark on this place, guys that I 
respected as much for the people and the character they have away from basketball as the all-star talent they have on the floor. When those guys come along, I do get a little misty-eyed. And, and tomorrow, I think I'll get that way with Ochai Abaji. And it's, it's fitting because I, I just talked with Och before you called. We were taping the, uh, the pregame interview, our pregame player profile, and I was telling him that in my eyes, it's him and Devontae Graham when it comes to the humble superstars. And, and by that, I mean guys whose game and fame grew exponentially over the course of their career, but the size of their head always stayed the same. The size of their ego and their pride and all that, same kid that arrived on campus, wide-eyed, grateful, just happy to be here. Don't get me wrong, Devontae had some swagger about him, and Ochai has a ton of self-confidence too, but if you meet the young man, if you ever had a chance to spend even 10 seconds with him, you see he genuinely cares about other people. He understands he has a platform. He, he wants to be a good example for kids watching him. Heck, last night at the game when they were honoring you know, a, a man that had given a 41-year career to KU Endowment with a special framed jersey for his retirement and all this stuff, they're walking him off the floor, and Ochai's on the court getting set to play and throw the ball, and he takes time to go over and shake the guy's hand. And I'm like, who else does that? That's, that's just an Ochai Abaji-type move right there. I mean, he's that great a kid. And so um, Ochai was telling me when we were talking a second ago that his first-ever trip to Allen Fieldhouse happened to be Devontae Graham's senior night. And he, and he saw Devontae speak, and he saw him obviously play as well as he did. I think they rocked the red uniforms that day. And, uh, and it, you know, he was definitely inspired. And it's, I think it's so fitting that as Ochai gets set to play his final game in the fog and the logical comparison for the great ambassador that he is and the humble superstar that he's become is the guy that he was first inspired by on his very first impression of Allen Fieldhouse, and that's Devontae Graham. So pretty cool stuff. Can't wait for tomorrow. I guess I'll have a Kleenex in my pocket now that you mentioned it because uh, it might get a little misty-eyed when, when he gets up there to speak. But you know what? I love all these guys. I've got a ton of respect for all six of them for different reasons. But Ochai in particular, I, I say this, and, and it might sound like hyperbole, hyperbole because you've heard me say, oh, I, I think the world of this kid is one of my all-time favorites. But legitimately, I, I think Ochai's in my top two, and he might be number one when it comes to the student-athlete, when it comes to the character of the individual. Uh, he really might be my favorite kid I've ever covered. What always gets me, and, and I, I try to always keep this in mind, and, and I, I kind of wish, um, and I, I know I think Jesse Newell took part in, in uh, boot camp, I think, once for a day or two. or may, I don't think he made through the whole thing, but uh, I always wish fans could get a, a more of a glimpse, and I understand why they don't, but I, I, I always wish fans could get more of a glimpse into what, it, what you have to do to play basketball at the University of Kansas it's it's incredible what they put themselves through physically and mentally and going to class is not you know there's so much to balance um you know that that i think gives me the most appreciation is is they're you know they've earned whether it's it's a guy like ochai who's going to be drafted this year whether it's a guy like christian who you know gets gets to put up a three every time kansas is up by 25 points you know you really have to earn your your even if it's just a small footnote. You have to earn that footnote in the history of Kansas basketball. 
Yeah, there's so much that goes into it. You talked about the physical and, and mental challenges that come with it. I, I think one of the biggest things is the pressure. And and having been at another program for four years, Texas Tech, before Texas Tech was a perennial top 25 team, only one of my seasons down there did we make the tournament. Um, yeah, there's pressure on those guys, but it's not like Kansas pressure. And, and when I say pressure, I don't just mean the fact that whenever we go on the road, it's a sellout and it's everybody else's number one game and they're they're frothing at the mouth, chomping at the bit to take down number five, Kansas. I'm not talking about that pressure. I'm talking about the pressure that our own fans put on these guys. I'm talking about living in a day and age where social media exists and the guy misses a couple of free throws and he opens up his DMs or his mentions on Twitter. He's just getting crushed. Uh, Because you play at one of the five true blue bloods where fan interest is at an all-time high and the fanatical side of fans will come after some of these guys. I mean, obviously... David McCormick, over the course of his four seasons, having some some high highs, but some occasional low lows, and some inconsistencies in between, he's he's you know been for many fans on social media, kind of a target at times, and, and that to me, having the the mental toughness to shut out the noise and and just focus on trying to get better every single day is a testament to what these guys go through. So you're right, there's a ton. That, uh, that goes into being a Kansas basketball player and living up to the hype and, and delivering on the opportunity. But there's also a lifetime of blessing that comes with it, the brotherhood that you get to be a part of, you know, the elite tradition that, like I said, only a handful of other programs can even come close to replicating. But I think even beyond the physical exertion and some of the other things you alluded to are some of the pressures and the stresses that these guys you know, are, are naturally thrust into by playing at one of the five most tradition-rich schools in the country uh, in a time where everybody has an opinion, more eyeballs than ever are watching you, and, and sometimes they sound off. And so I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, whether, whether these are your favorite seniors or not, I hope the people in attendance tomorrow all stay, listen to every last speech, give these guys the love you want, that they want, deserve. Um, I know he hasn't had the season that anybody thought he would have because of injury and fit and all that. And I know that, as I said, other guys have, have had good and bad moments. But it's a pretty special group whose best legacy could still be in front of them over these next four weeks. So uh, I hope we send them off in style, and I hope the fans they give them all the love in the world, not just Ochai and Mitch and, and guys like that that have been around forever, but uh, all six of them, even the, the newbies that came late. Uh, talking with Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, and now on to the the on the court uh, goings on. We'll talk, you know, it was a quick turnaround, so we can only talk briefly about each game. We'll start with last night's game, TCU, um, kind of a rip roaring start there early on, um, and then TCU credit them clawed their way back in. At one point, Kansas is down six, and it felt eerily familiar to Waco you get up big early and then all of a sudden you find yourself down but but KU a couple quick plays and all of a sudden they're they're right back in it after being down six and and they finish them off um it it took toughness and and I I came away very impressed from with TCU I think more than anything just you know I I kind of assumed well things happen Tuesday night Kansas will get it you know put it together um and and credit the Jayhawks they came away with the win but but TCU made them work for it again they did, and I think we've discovered in the last 72 hours that TCU is not a good matchup for us. 
and I would not want to face them again in the same way that I don't want to face Kentucky again. And we might have to face Baylor again, but you don't want that either. Uh, there are certain teams that have a sizable athleticism advantage over Kansas. And I wouldn't say TCU's is a large gap, but they are the more athletic team. Kentucky's athleticism is a large gap, and, and I hope they get sent to a different region. And I hope that somebody knocks them off before we get to them if, if we keep advancing. Because this is a Kansas team that, as good as they've been, and as much fun as we've had this season, I think we found that against certain type teams with, with length and athleticism that we don't match up well against, we can be had. And you can beat those teams, even as the slightly slower, slightly less bouncy, slightly shorter type club, but you have to absolutely play with your hair on fire with intensity and effort level off the charts to where you're getting 70% of the 50-50 balls. You're getting 75% of the defensive rebound chances that go up on the rim. You have to want it more. And Kansas didn't on Tuesday night. I thought their energy level was phenomenal at the gates last night, uh, 12-4. Jamie Dixon has to take a timeout. Uh, you know, we, we led by nine after the Mitch Lightfoot dunk that he got teed up on, and that was a big momentum swing after the technical. Um, but you know, we saw over the course of the night, particularly in the second half, early stages, when they seized control of the lead and, and, and got up by a couple of possessions, and they were pretty much taking what they wanted with some tough shots that they were hitting, but a lot of athleticism at times to get in position for shots. And I really thought in that instance that we're probably going to win. Holman self wins 95% of his home games. But at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if we lose because they're pretty much as good as we are from an athleticism standpoint. But in the end, skill, clutch, factor, home court, Hall of Fame coach on the sidelines, all of that helped the cream rise to the top. But it took Christian Brown getting benched temporarily for passing up on a three and having that message that I think the coaches have been harping on him for over a month now, not wanting to see him turn down open looks from three. It took him having to time to come back in and step up and hit two of the biggest shots of the game. And then DeWan Harris, who uh, is, is one of Christian's very best friends in the world, he steps up and I think has the best half of his Jayhawk career. It's hard to say it was his best game of his career because the first half was kind of rough, but Man, he was good. Um, you know, not just with hitting his last four shots consecutively, including a three where he's only 28% from downtown, but yeah, two steals, the block on TCU's last possession, some hustle plays where he got tips of the little things, winning plays, as Bill Self likes to call them. The reason why he started every single game for Kansas at this point, it was apparent last night. You saw why. And uh, and so, yeah, I was so proud of him and so happy for both him and Christian because those are guys we really got to lean on. And, you know, Christian, prior to hitting those two clutch free throws in the second half, was shooting 50% from the free throw line since the loss at Texas, February 7th. And this was a guy that prior to February 7th was shooting 84 as a free throw shooter. It clearly had become a mental thing. And I don't know if that had anything to do with him passing up on threes, but the most self-confident player we have on our team in terms of his swagger and all that was looking like he was questioning himself a little bit. And so the fact that he came in and had the mental toughness to hit those two big threes and two free throws as well, 
hopefully is a sign of a corner turned, and here we go, CB, because Kansas needs that version, the killer instinct, the assertive alpha male version of Christian Brown going forward. You know, we need a Robin to Ochai's Batman because Ochai can't do it all himself. And I think as we saw in the second half, Ochai was tired. I mean, he was 2 of 10 in the second half. One of those was a dunk. The jump shots weren't going down. At some point, playing four games in eight days and three games in five days, playing 38, 39 minutes catches up. And they ought to find a hyperbolic chamber for him to sleep in the next two nights to, to let his legs recharge and all that. And then I was laughing with his dad a little about it. And he said, actually, I looked into that. I think there's one up the road and over the park. But Ochai said, nah, dad, I'm good. I don't need it. But it's funny. They were actually thinking that, too, uh, because this is a grueling stretch. And, and nobody runs harder and longer than Ochai does. So hopefully he'll have some fresh legs. I'm sure they're going to go super light today. And, uh, and then hopefully we'll see him ready to go. And even, even if he's fatigued and he's at 80% or 85%, you always dig deep for something a little extra when you know it's your last time ever running through that tunnel. When you know it's your last time ever hearing Eric Danielson on the public address say, Oh, Chai, you know, you know, it's the last time ever you hear 16,300 roar because you just came through in a big way. He'll find a way to, uh, to galvanize whatever energy he has left in that tank and, and put it on display. Question is, can Kansas find a way to beat a team that has had their number now the last three meetings? I think they will. But it's, it's not as simple as just assuming because we've won 38 in a row at home on senior night that this is going to be number 39 because Texas has been well-rested since Monday. Uh, you know, they need this win for their seed line purposes, the way that they've kind of been skidding a little bit down the stretch against good teams, that is. And so they're going to come out loaded for Bear. They're going to try to play the role of spoiler, and we got to make sure that we hold serve here at home and get that share of a 20th. Big 12 championship in the 26-year history of the league. That would be fantastic. And, and, and just very quickly, I know we, you know, as, as a fan, you know, we look at what happened in Austin, and it might be easy for myself as a fan to say, well, weird things happen. KU had the lead, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you're a player, you can't think like that because Texas, as you just said, they, they, they're going to bring it, it, it. Texas, you know, regardless of how that game went in Austin, both of these teams are better than they were when they met in Austin. So Texas you know, is capable of spoiling senior day. For sure. And, you know, I, I've watched a good amount of their games since we played them, and Timmy Allen has not looked like the guy he looked like against Kansas. We made him look like an All-American that day. He hit everything in the mid-range and finished with, with 24 points and, and uh, you know, looked like an all-conference-type guy. Uh, he's still a good player, but, I mean, he, he was 10 points north of what, we should have given up to him on average. And we saw other guys step up and make plays. And obviously, Trey Mitchell has since taken a leave of absence. But the banked-in three, as I told you guys back then, is going to be stuck in our minds for a long, long time. And right now, that banked-in three that led to them winning on the 7-0 run in the final 55 seconds, that's the reason why we haven't already clinched. And it's the reason why we'll probably have to share it uh, with Baylor. Because I don't see Iowa State upsetting them, at least not after – Iowa State mustered 36 whole points in an entire game the other night. So, uh, to me, I, I, I think that uh, you're absolutely right. Texas can get it done. Uh, but I hope that our guys, you know, remember how poorly we closed out the first and second halves and how it was a 5-0 run in the last 30 seconds of the first half and a 7-0 run in the last 
uh, 55 seconds of, of the second half. That's 12-0. Otherwise, I don't want to say Kansas controlled that game, but it was Kansas's game for the taking, with the exception of the way we closed out those two halves. So hopefully a much better job start to finish, particularly in the crucial moments late in halves. And let's get out of there with a win and, and roll out the trophies again and talk about 16 Big 12 titles under Bill Self, 20 in the Big 12 era, and 63 all-time for conference championships, which is an NCAA record. That is amazing. And hopefully that's what we're talking about here in about 24 hours. We're talking with uh, uh, Brian. I almost called you Nate Miller. we got to talk about Nate Miller here in a second. We're talking with uh, Brian Haney here on uh, Rock Talk Sports Talk, a voice of the Jayhawks and founding father of Rock Talk Sports Talk. Brian, I'm going to give you your one last thing, and then uh, after that you can uh, give a shout-out to your guy Nate Miller your one last thing for today is uh, what's a better KU center court logo? The yellow map of Kansas from the uh, 90s, the white and blue map in the, of Kansas with the red K in the middle of it toward the end of the uh, Roy era or the current enormous Jayhawk they currently have? <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. No matter how I answer this, I'm going to make somebody mad. Uh, I, I like the traditional look. I loved it at the time that we had it. And I know a lot of people, when they switch to the really big bird, they're like, whoa, that's way too big. It's obnoxious. It's, it's you know, too much. It's excessive. But you know what? There's only one Jayhawk. There's umpteen Wildcats. There's umpteen Tigers out there. But there's only one Jayhawk. And our brand of that logo is as synonymous with Kansas as anything. And so the marketing people that came up with that idea to make it bigger, make it bolder, make it so obvious that when it's on TV and you're in a bar, no matter where you're at, from New York to L.A., you know exactly who that is. Or when the Sports Center highlights are playing with Scott Van Pelt and they cut to Lawrence, you know exactly who that is. There, there was some well-thought-out plans behind that logo design on the floor like it is now. And, and I love, as a play-by-play guy, calling it as a point of reference. I'll say he shot that one from the tip of the Jayhawk's beak or from the foot of the Jayhawk or they've got it on the tail feather of the Jayhawk. You know, I like to say those types of points of references, which you probably couldn't do nearly as much with a much smaller logo back in the Roy Williams day. So um, I'll go with the current one, but definitely much love and respect to the previous for sure. All right, this has been uh, Brian Haney on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Brian, uh, what do you got to say about your guy, uh, Nate Miller? Well, big fan of Nate's. Appreciate him making these reports possible each and every week. He's helping me with my retirement planning, which hopefully is a ways away now, but uh, you can never start too soon, and he can do the same with you. Just as the Jayhawks need their game plan to take down Texas, you need one for your financial future. So check out MillerRetirementGroup.com today. Nate Miller and his team will sit down with you, take a look at what your investments, your portfolio. If you don't have any right now, that's fine. He can get you lined up with some, but he'll no matter whether you're starting uh, out at home plate or on third base already with some of your financial decisions, you want to sit down and have a fortified future with the confidence that, that he can give you that you're making sound financial moves. So check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. Always a pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me on, and I uh, look forward to talking to you guys next week, hopefully from Kansas City, because that would mean we're in the semifinals in KC and we're getting set to play a game. So if our typical Friday chat involves me still being down there, then uh, we're well on our way to the type of march that we want to start off with. I'll take it, and you might have to deal with me in person because I'm credentialed for that tournament. So thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Have a great call tomorrow. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good. Take care.
All right, that was Brian Haney. Roll the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right, that was Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, founding father of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We appreciate him joining us each and every uh, Friday, and uh, he'll have the call tomorrow afternoon, Kansas versus Texas, Senior Day, Big 12 title on the line. That's all you can ask for. One hour down, two to go on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. What's going on? Might be officially evening, depending on uh, what you consider evening. Some people consider the afternoon to end at 5 and evening begin then. Others, 6 o'clock. I'm going to say good evening. Um, I'm Adam Dravetta flying solo today. Derek Johnson will be back tomorrow, Monday. He won't be back tomorrow. Um, he'll be back Monday. None of us will be back tomorrow because it's the weekend. Um, so I... Uh, Saw a report earlier from Ian Rappaport of uh, the NFL. I uh, believe he's with the NFL Network now. He might be still with ESPN. Nonetheless, um, he reported this from the Combine that the Chiefs are currently working with Tyreek Hill to get a new, uh, to restructure his contract. It wouldn't be a, a officially a new contract. In some ways, it would be a new contract, but it would be changing the structure of it. Um, he, he says it in uh, Rappaport's words, um, he it would be more normal. Uh, those are the words he used. There's a video up, uh, and you, you can check it out on his uh, Twitter account, at RapSheet. Um, but the, the word he used is normal, and if you watch the video, what he meant was basically anybody can remember uh, what was going on when Tyree Kill signed this extension. There was the off-the-field stuff. Um, Tons of stories there, and it was uh, it was a, a it was a rough time, and, and some scary, sometimes very disturbing things were coming out. Um, we got to the other side of that, and and it seemed that the um, the story, at least the whole story, wasn't being told. Nonetheless, they they stuck by him. I think they stuck by him because they knew the whole story, and they were just waiting for it to come out. Um, he his more recent contract he's he's kind of had to earn every single penny of it, and that uh, is not something normal with a player uh, at, of Tyreek Hill's uh, stature. He has, you know, he is uh, one of the five best receivers in the um, in the NFL. Um, his usage is is huge. Uh, he's you know the one of two major options on this team. And you know when you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, you, I, I say it all the time. When you're the when you're the athletic director at KU, you 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 know it's a huge job to to get the football program up and rolling. I like where they're at with Lance Leipold, but your number one job when you're the athletic director at the University of Kansas is to keep Bill Self happy. You check in every few weeks. Hey, coach, how's it going? Is there anything we can do for you? And when you have a player, a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, it is what do you need? From us, um, and 
quarterbacks all around the league are looking at Aaron Rodgers. They're looking at Russell Wilson. They look to Tom Brady. They know the power that they wield when they are great quarterbacks. I mean, golly, Kyler Murray is trying to exercise that power, and he's not even a great quarterback. So you have a, a guy who, if he retired today, would be talked about as, as a Hall of Fame uh, caliber player. Um, you've got a guy that, as his career continues, he's most likely, a, you know, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, Patrick Mahomes. You have an all-time great quarterback right now, and, and you need to make sure he stays happy. Um, as it stands, uh, Tyreek Hill's cap hit this year going into the 2022 season, this is according to Spotrack, would be $20,685,000, so a little less than 10% of the cap. I would hazard to guess what they're going to do with a new contract is they will um, turn some of that uh, roster bonus into a signing bonus, get that off the books, bring his total uh, bring his um, total cap hit uh, to much lower than that, eight nine million dollars or so. And then what do you do with that? Uh, you're signing, you know, you're, you're signing Orlando Brown to a big contract. I hope that gets done sooner than later. I was hoping both of these contracts, uh, a, a redo with Tyree Kill and, and a contract with Orlando Brown, whether that be a franchise tag, which I doubt is happening. I think they just signed him. Um, but regardless, whatever you're going to do with Tyree Kill and Orlando Brown, I hope you get it done relatively soon so you can still take advantage of the free agent market because, you know, Everybody knows what this Chiefs team needs. They need a pass rusher. I don't think Ty, uh, Tyron Matthews coming back. I don't want Tyron Matthew back at the price that I think he's going to command if he gets out on the open market and you have a situation where he is not commanding the kind of money uh, that you initially thought and you can get him back for you know a couple years uh, relatively cheap, even one year relatively cheap. Um, and I'm not saying you know league minimum. I mean, you know he's going to command money. Um, but if you can get him back on on a one year deal that is a decent amount of money, um, but not nearly the three years, you know, forty three, forty eight million dollars guarantee that he might command, that I think he probably will command. I just don't want a safety that age being guaranteed that much money. I mean, I think you got. I think I would rather get out from Tyreek Hill now and watch him go have one more good year on another team and think, boy, it'd be nice if he's still in the Chiefs uniform. I would rather that than sign him to a three-year deal and then, you know, have to sit out, you know, have to sit on a, a, a massive contract for two years when he's not ex- producing at a particular level. I, I think we saw Tyron Matthew make a lot of business decisions in his attempt to tackle a lot of players this year. Um, now that wasn't the reason it's not, you know, that's not why they lost to the Bengals in the AFC championship. That loss falls on everybody. So he's not, you know, I, I don't want to make him out to be the villain. I'm just presenting an argument for why I don't want Tyron Matthew re-signed with the chiefs at the number that I think he's going to command. And if he goes and makes that money and somebody gives him a, a monster contract with a whole bunch of guaranteed money. Awesome. He needs to take it. I hope he does. And I hope he does well with it. Uh, I just don't want it to be for the chiefs. Which brings me back to Tyreek Hill. How long is this contract going to be, and when can you get out from under it? Because right now, he is one of the five best receivers in the league, and you do have a little bit more to think about when you consider uh, how important it's going to be to keep your Hall of Fame quarterback happy. Um, But you need another 
you know, you need another threat. I don't think it's a coincidence that this offense was so much better with a with a, a legitimate second wide receiver and third option. You know, you've got Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill, you've got Travis Kelsey. Those are two excellent options. Hall of Fame love you have you have a quarterback who's throwing to you have a Hall of Fame quarterback who's throwing to a Hall of Fame tight end and a Hall of Fame wide receiver. And the the Hall of Fame tight end and the Hall of Fame wide receiver are not getting any younger. And um the money for the Patrick Mahomes deal is going to start kicking in here I think as early as this year. Maybe you can put it off another year, but the more you put these things off, the worse it's going to hit you down the road. And so you don't want to build up this this you know kicking the can down to the road to the point that you are paying you know that that Patrick Mahomes becomes a sixty five million dollar cap hit on a two hundred and forty five million dollar cap. Um, I think at some point you just got to bite the number and just say, all right, this is what this is what it is. This is how much we're paying him, and, and this is the hit we're going to have to take this year. Um, I think this gives you a chance to kick the can down the road a little bit with Tyreek Hill, but he's the problem with Tyreek Hill becomes. He's an elite wide receiver right now. He's going to get paid as one of the three or five highest paid wide receivers in the NFL when this new contract comes in that Ian Rappaport is reporting that the Chiefs and Hill are currently working towards. He's going to make him one of the three or five highest paid, maybe a top paid receiver in the NFL. And that's all well and good. The problem is he's not six foot four. And so once he loses a half a step to a step, he can lose a half a step and still be a really, really damn effective receiver. So I, I, I don't think he's just going to, he's not going to be worthless once, you know, 31 rolls around, but his speed is such an essential tool for two reasons. One, he's a freak athlete. And so his speed is in and of itself crazy. So that, that makes it the, a major part of, of his, um, of his arsenal. And then secondly, He's not very tall, so he can't become. He's a great route runner, and I, I will never ever uh, shy away from telling the story of when he he was so upset um, that he was selected to the Pro Bowl as a as a special teams player rather than a wide receiver, and rather than just moping about it, he went down and fa- and, and connected. He, he networked with all those receivers down at the Pro Bowl. And said, "What do you do? How do you train? What's your off-season regimen look like?" He and, and he's turned himself, not just because of his of his God-given talents, uh, of which there are plenty, but through his work ethic, he's turned himself into one of the premier um, wide receivers in the game of football today. The problem is he's not built as a guy that can sustain that for as long as other wide receivers can because he's not particularly tall. He's not a throw it up and high point it over the top of a cornerback type guy. Um, he, his, his, his running is elite. Um, he'll, I think he'll be a, a great, um, kind of when he gets older, he'll, he'll, he'll be a, a, a really great, um, wide receiver to, to toss to. I mean, he is now, but he'll continue to be, I think a great, uh, wide receiver to toss to on the inside of a zone right across the middle when he can beat a couple linebackers on a, on a short throw that, Maybe goes six and a half yards in the in the air, but his speed can grab another 15, 20 yards out of that. Patrick Mahomes' first ever touchdown, I think, was a play that was just like that when they were in Los Angeles in the beginning of the 2018 season. One of the touchdowns that Mahomes threw to Tyreek Hill uh, was was exactly that. It was kind of a little uh, flag route across the middle 
um, the Tyreek Hill grabbed and it flew maybe eight yards in the air and, and Hill just finished the job and took it all the way to the end zone. I think he'll be able to do that for a very long time. Um, but as far as just outrunning wide receivers and safeties, that's not going to last forever. And we saw even this year, guys, you know, defenses um, shut down on that. And I, I think that, that they're, you know, Andy Reid, I think, is smart enough to overcome a two-deep shell. It's not, you know, the concepts change, and it's it's a more advanced system than it was when um, the Tampa 2 came out in the late 90s, early 2000s. It's more complex than it was now, um, so you can't just go back and say, what did we do to beat this in 2002? You you have to know that it, it, it has um, evolved quite a bit, but I still think that, you know, you've got a wide receiver who actually is built to do exactly that because of his speed. Um, but then the other side of this, I, I think this might be a, a reason I would be in favor of this, even though I, I do worry what is it going to look like with Tyreek Hill under contract um, for a lot of money for a huge cap hit when his production goes down because he's not as fast as he is now. What's that going to look like? The reason I think you need to do that now is you need another wide receiver. Nicole Hardman, I is I, I have not seen anything from him. He had some flashes late in the season, but he the, the sample size of of the multiple years he's been a Kansas City Chief, um, I have not seen anything to suggest he can be a third, um, a, a very real third option. And I don't know how much longer Travis Kelsey. I, I give him two more years, maybe playing at a Hall of Fame level. That's nothing against him. It's just he gets hit a lot. Time catches up with everybody. Um, and, and so I, I think that you've got about two more years right now where if you grab a third wide receiver, or I mean a, a second wide receiver, a third option, a guy that Sammy Watkins was. I mean, I said when Sammy Watkins, I didn't want him re-sign, but I said if I can pick the eight games he'll miss and the eight games he'll be healthy for, then I would have re-signed him immediately. Um, the problem is you, you couldn't pick which games he would be healthy for. You just knew he was going to be out for about half the season, and you probably, you know, you didn't know if he was going to be out for one or two of the playoff games. Um, so you need, you know, right now you need a guy who is who is speedy, who is tall. Um, I, I think an underrated part of what Sammy Watkins did, if you, you know, the, the big play that everybody talks about was um, the – uh, the wasp and in you know that was the you know the the catch that Tyreek Hill made and it was phenomenal and it was a, it was a perfectly executed well drawn up play, but the the video that came out you know Mahomes is is talking to Eric Bieniemy do we have time to run wasp and um, they called it and and he, when he called it in the huddle he said to Sammy why he said to Tyreek you get open and he said to Sammy Watkins you be working and the reason is if you look at Sammy Watkins route the whole purpose of that route is as much as there is a fake one way by Tyreek Hill a cut one way to distract the safety the other one was you have the safety gets distracted by the route that Sammy Watkins was running which is why Tyreek Hill was so wide open was able to catch that thing like it was a punt and so that that's another reason you need very real threats. Even if you don't throw to them, you need a, a another guy who is good enough to grab 800 yards and a few touchdowns because it, it forces defensive coordinators and it forces safeties and it forces cornerbacks to say, who are we going to pick? Because Sammy Watkins showed an ability when he was healthy that if you're going to shut down uh, Tyreek Hill, 
Tyree or then Sammy Watkins will grab three touchdowns and two hundred yards. Awesome. Chiefs will beat you that way. But the other side of that is you don't have at this moment a wide receiver who's good enough to be that. So um and, and if you're just joining in, what stemmed this conversation was um uh Ian Rappaport has um uh, announced or not announced reporting that uh, the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill are working towards a deal. I hope they get one done. I hope it lowers his cap number for this season, maybe even next season. Eventually, you're gonna all those cap numbers. You're just gonna have to eat and deal with the fact that you are, are really up against the cap. But for now, I think you need to do that because you need a pass rusher and you need a, a third um, a third option on the offense to really make them somebody that you're forcing defenses to respect. Um, that will only help Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Um, and obviously Patrick Mahomes, who is you know the 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 guy you really want to keep happy. We're gonna take another break on RCST. Uh, we're gonna come back talk a little baseball, see if they have go if they've uh, made any progress on their negotiations. Um, I'm worried that that is not the case. Hopefully by the end of the weekend though we have some good news. This is RCST on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. About midway through the 5 o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. I want to remind you that tomorrow uh, there'll be uh, college basketball and high school basketball on these airwaves. The women's uh, KU basketball team will play in Norman against Oklahoma. That game tips off at 2 p.m., pregame at 145. That will be right here on KLWN. The men's game, which starts at 3 p.m., pregame at 130. That can be heard over on our sister station, uh, 105.9 KISS FM. And at 6 o'clock, Sam Speck and Craig Hershiser will have the call uh, for Lawrence Free State's sub-state championship game, the Firebirds, and uh, the uh, the um, Chesty Lions also with a chance to advance to the state tournament. Tomorrow will be we uh, the, the semifinal game we aired was uh, was the, the Lawrence High game, so Free State in the sub-state championship. But both of those teams have an excellent chance to win their respective sub-states, and move on to the state tournament next week in Wichita. I want to talk very briefly about um, baseball, and and I I didn't leave myself nearly enough time. Um, You know how it is. Uh, But, you know, the the talk has been so much about the lockout, and and fairly so, because that is dominating the headlines. But this is such a, a... The Royals, this is the biggest season, I believe, for the Kansas City Royals since... I would make the argument 2014. If you want to say 2013, that's fine because that was the year they brought in James Shields uh, and Wade Davis and, and they traded Will Myers. And if, if they weren't going to make the playoffs that year, you at least needed to see some definitive improvement. And you did. They wound up winning 86 games, um, 85 or 86 games. Um, they were right up into it till the last series. They were they were in the wild card discussion. And, of course, the magical uh, 2014 Really, not just, not the whole season, but the magical post All Star break of 2014 happened, and and it was it was wonderful, and and um, you know, the the Kansas City Royals under Dayton Moore, as as great as they've been, and and Dayton Moore is is a legend in this city, and and should be. Um, he brought he did something that look, I get Moneyball, I I get what the Rays are doing, I get what the A's are doing, I understand all of that, and it needs to be. Um, it needs to be paid attention to, but those franchises haven't won a world championship yet. And Dayton Moore has won two pennants 
and a world championship. So he's doing something right. He goes against what a lot of people um, have to say as far as proper strategy in baseball. And he's not above criticism either because they bottomed out in in a a few years when I don't think they expected to bottom out after um, Hosmer and Kane and and all those guys left. Uh, But they are still doing something right. But what they have not had was a player who just jumped in and just fired away. I mean, straight out. You're promoted from from AAA, and all of a sudden you're a stud. You're contending for Rookie of the Year. They haven't had that. Um, and I, that's not coming with this pitching because most of the pitching has already at least gotten a sniff at the at the major league level, and they have not produced, and, and there's still time for that. As I understand it, Asa Lacey is the guy who has the highest ceiling in terms of a guy who become – can become an ace, um, but he's also the lowest rank because he's so inconsistent. Um, but as I understand it, he's the guy with the with the stuff most likely to become an ace. Um, look, if you can grab two starters out of this group that you've brought in as as a as a great group of pitching prospects, then you've succeeded. All five of these guys are not going to be great pitchers. I don't think two of them are going to be great pitchers. I think if you know, I, I don't think. Um, if I had to guess, I think you're getting a middle-of-the-rotation guy and a really great bullpen arm out of all of them. And if you do better than that, good for you. You've succeeded. Um, but this is a huge year for this pitching, um, and and baseball needs to start for it for us to even see what's going to happen uh, from it. Um, in, in I don't know. We're going to talk more about that as the season wears on, but I, as the season goes on and hopefully as the season starts, but um, I just wanted to dip my toe real quickly into that because this is, to me, the biggest season under Dayton Moore since, I would argue, 2014. Some could say 2013. I, I think this is a team capable of getting upwards of 79 to 82 wins uh, if things really bounce their way, 84, 85 wins. And I, but I think more. I think they win, need to win more than 76 games. I think that this is a year that they need to take a massive step forward. And we'll see if they can do it. We'll see if uh, baseball and its uh, players' union can make a deal and, and uh, they'll even have games. Uh, I think they will have games, but um, whether that the number becomes 150, 144, that remains to be seen. We're going to take another break. We've got Rock Chalk Replay coming up on the other side. And this is uh, what about a half hour to go on our, uh, on our Friday. So the weekend is almost here. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, the KLWN app, and KLWN.com. Depend on it.